Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Well, we're finishing our series on shape, and I'm excited about what we have been learning through this. Uh, If you remember, the S stood for spiritual gifts, something that you're given when you pray to receive Christ in your life. Uh, The H stood for heart, basically the things that you're passionate about. Uh, The A uh, stood for your abilities. That's something you're basically born with. Those things are just wired in you. And uh, then last week we talked about your personality, uh, the traits that God has given you that you were born with. And today we're going to talk about your experiences. Um, As we talk about experiences, we're going to see how you're shaped and your experiences help shape you into how God would want to use you. And, um, you know, I, I remember going to my 10th year high school reunion and, you know, it was great seeing everybody. And, uh, some people were doing what they thought they would be doing. Most were not doing what they thought would be doing. And many were doing things they just didn't like doing. And, uh, in fact, Today, they tell us that half the people just hate their jobs and uh, how sad and tragic that is to spend five days a week, eight hours a day doing something you hate. And, and, but what was really sad, they gave us a booklet that had everybody's name and where they lived and all that stuff. But then they had a page listed of those who had died. And I was just shocked at how many of our class had already passed away, never reached their, uh, never reached their 28th uh, birthday. And then I went to my 20th high school anniversary, uh, reunion, and uh, it was the same thing, except that list had really grown. And I decided then, you know, I, I quit going to my high school anniversaries because just old people started going and I, I just didn't want to hang out with them. But uh, I, was, I, was, I was amazed that, you know, your life, you have no guarantee how long your life is. Uh, and uh, I saw many of my friends who died young and, and, and why, how in the world would you want to even begin to risk missing all that God has for you? Because you don't know how long you actually have. And so that's why this thing called shape, I think, is so important. I want to start with the verse in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. It's a verse that uh, I've used before. It says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Now, it'd be easy to stop right there and say, yeah, that's a great verse. But I I want us to back up for a second and make sure we look at the context of this verse because it totally changes the depth of its meaning. And some of you can relate to what I'm about to share. Um, This basically was shared to King uh, Asa. He was the third king of Judah about eight, nine hundred years before Jesus. And He's a great example. He was king for 41 years, which is a pretty long reign. And he, he started off great. I mean, he did a good job. The the Bible says in uh, second Chronicles chapter 14, so chapters 14, 15, and 16 deal with his reign. And it it said, 
there was peace in the land. Asa did what was pleasing and good in the sight of the Lord, his God. He did what was good and right in the sight of God. Now that should be a, a theme for your life that you would want to be a constant goal for you, that I'm doing what is good, I'm doing what is right, based on what God has to say, based on how he sees things. So it was what was in the sight of God that mattered to Asa. And Asa did things right. In fact, God showed how faithful he was to his king that he had put in place there. Um, the, there was some uh, uh, Ethiopians who were going to come and do battle with them. And uh, you see Asa at that time, he had 300,000 warriors. And then the tribe of Benjamin uh, had another 280,000 warriors. But the Ethiopians came after him with over a million warriors. And they had something that they, that the uh, uh, tribe of Judah, uh, that Judah did not have, and, and that was uh, chariots. Uh, they had over 300 chariots, which that was a devastating in, thing in battle and very feared weapon. And God defeated the Ethiopians. I mean, he gave great victory. And Asa realized God's the one that won the battle. And so then there was peace for a long time and God did that very thing. Now, Asa started bringing reforms. He got rid of idols. Um, he stood up for what God believed, what God said matters. In fact, he even stood up against his own great uh, grandmother, the queen mother, um, who had built this uh, asherary pole that, that was uh, pagan type worship. And he tore it down, took it out to a valley, had it burned. I mean, he stood up against his own family members, the patriarchs, matriarchs of his family uh, who were doing things that were contrary to what God said. And, and so, yeah, he was doing what was right in God's sight. But as he started getting older, Asa started trusting himself. Oh, I've got this now. I, I know what to do. And you know, so often we as believers do that with God. You, you, you know, it's easy to say, God, uh, I've been a Christian a long time now. I, I'm not going to spend much time praying about this. I know what I'm supposed to. So you, you take the day off. I got this. And rarely does that work out well. Because God will take you at your word and he will back up and he'll say, okay, let's see how you do. And that's basically what Asa did. I mean, he started hearing about um, a neighboring king building up his army. And so Asa, he went to the temple and took a lot of the treasure out of the temple and sent it to a different king and said, hey, let's make an allegiance, an alliance and it actually, it was somebody that would have been an enemy, but he went and made peace with his enemy and said, let's make an alliance, let's defeat uh, this other guy. And basically they did, but here's the deal. They won a battle, but they lost the war. In fact, God sent a prophet to Asa and said, here's the deal. You trusted in your own abilities and you did not trust in me. You have trusted in 
your maturity and your wisdom and your discernment and your experiences instead of trusting me. You see, as we talk about your experiences today, you have to take your experiences and give them over to God to find real meaning out of them. And so there was, there was no war for 35 years. And then Asa kind of forgets how things work. And he didn't really trust God. I, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't open about it that I don't trust God. He didn't make those kind of statements. But basically he said, I got this God. And he went and made an allegiance with somebody that he shouldn't have. In fact, God says to him, said, look, if you had trusted me and had called upon me, you would have had victory over even the guy you made an allegiance with. Nobody would have touched you. But because you did things your way, well, here's what happened. He says, don't you remember what happened to the Ethiopians and the Libyans and their vast army? Don't you remember all their chariots and their charioteers? And at that time you relied on me and I handed them over to you. Don't you remember that? And then God says, for the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So Asa started off great. And his heart was fully committed to the Lord for about 35 years. And in those last six years, well, look at the rest of verse 9. He says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts fully uh, committed to him. What a fool you have been. From now on, you will be at war. Wow. He forgot his experiences. He forgot what God did. And as a result, God basically said, oh, you won a battle, but son, you lost the war. What you've done by not relying on me and trusting me and following me You've set yourself up that for the rest of your life, you're going to be in constant battles. Uh, I don't think that was the kind of retirement that Asa was looking uh, towards. So when you have your experiences that we're going to talk about today, you have to take these experiences and use them to remember who God is and how faithful he's been, and then use those experiences to minister to others. You see, God planned you for his pleasure. You know, once I settle that in my mind that I'm here for God's glory, not mine, it kind of changes things. God made you for his pleasure. God made you to be a part of his family. That's huge. I mean, that's, I'm, that's, that's, that's big. <laughs> I get to be a part of the family of holy God. And, and I was created to actually be like Christ. I was created for that. You were created for that. That I'm to grow and to mature and to become a disciple, a follower, an imitator of Jesus Christ. Those are the plans and purposes God has for me. 
And before you and I were born, God had good works that he was shaping in us. And so God put you here and put me here to make a difference. Let me say that again. God has you here to make a difference. That it matters that you lived. That your life actually makes a difference in other people's lives. So God has shaped me through my experiences. And so let's, let's kind of look at some of those experiences. First of all, uh, you have a spiritual journey. So you have those experiences. You have spiritual experiences. And um, some of you, uh, maybe they started when you were young. And maybe some of you that started when you were older. Uh, some of you, you had great spiritual experiences when you were young. And then you just kind of got away from it. And then later in life, you came back to it. And that was an experience in itself. And um, so your experiences are your journey, the good, bad, and the ugly. I mean, it's your journey. Uh, Paul put it this way when he was writing to Timothy. He says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. Oh, that's pretty bad. And, and in my insolence, I persecuted his people. I mean, to the point he had them thrown in prison and many of them died because of Paul. So I would say that Paul's spiritual journey didn't start off too well. If anything, God had justification to wipe him out, to get rid of him, to send some Christian assassin <laughs> But Paul said, God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. I, I didn't know better. And how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with faith and love that came from Christ Jesus. And this is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, period. And that's what's my constant message. message. That's, that's what I am to share all the time. I mean, that is the message. You know, I, I could get up here and make a political sermon every Sunday. I could get up here and make a uh, social sermon every Sunday. But the message that God has given to me and has given to you is this. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul would have put a footnote there and say, and I was the worst one. I was the worst sinner there was. And he saved me. Ephesians 2.10 it says, for we are God's masterpiece. We're the crowning part of his creation. Of everything that's created, we're the crowning moment because we have his image. Nothing else in creation has his image. And we have a soul and a spirit. Nothing else in creation has a soul or spirit. And that makes us unique, special, different. So we are his masterpiece. 
He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Before you were born, he planned a purpose for your life. And once you make the decision that, yes, Jesus came and he saved me, then you can start fulfilling that purpose. And, and so God, when I take my experiences and give them to God, then God uses those experiences for his purposes. So like my journey of how I became a Christian some of you became Christians in your young age and then you kind of got away from it and then later you came back. Some of you, you became Christians as an adult. Uh, some have had the ups and the downs. In fact, probably all of us have had the ups and downs of our faith and maybe some of you have even gone through those periods of time that you've really questioned. You've questioned God. And so you've had your journey, you've had your experience. And so I, I want to encourage you that you, you record your spiritual journey. I, I mean, I, I don't do it faithfully every day, but I do keep some journals. And, and you know, you never know. Maybe some great, great, great grandchild of yours, when you're long and gone, and that grandchild that you'll never meet gets their hands on your journals and you're sharing openly and honestly about your journey, your experiences, and it has a huge impact on them. I mean, wouldn't that be cool? Uh, my grandkids call me Pop, and I'm gonna have grand, great, great, great grandchildren that I'll never meet or never know, and maybe except in heaven. And if they're somehow reading some of the things that I wrote about my experiences, the good and the bad and the ugly, you know, it'd be cool for them to say, well, I sure would have liked to have known Pop, but yet I kind of do now because I'm reading about his experiences. It's so cool to read about when he struggled with his faith. It's cool to read about when he didn't think God was hearing his prayers. It's so cool to read when God did hear his prayers and God showed up. It's so cool to read how God got him through some really tough times and it's so cool how he trusted God even when everything was falling apart. God also has given you some painful experiences. We all have had them. Some are emotional, some are physical, um, some are relational, but we've had our painful experiences. And Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles, painful experiences, so that we can, oh, here it is, comfort others, shape your experiences. The purpose, fulfillment, of your experiences is when you use them for the benefit of others. Let me say that again. The real fulfillment of your painful experiences are when you use them to minister to others. And we've had many people in this church who have experienced the worst thing a parent could ever experience, and that's to lose a child. 
And I've not gone through that experience. So I cannot say to a parent who recently has gone through that and say, I know how you feel, because I don't. I can empathize and I can care for and love, but truly understand, no, I'm not able to. But those of you who have been and have had that most painful experience, you can legitimately say to them, I'm here for you because I know exactly how you feel. I know what you're going through because I went through it. So when I take my painful experiences and I use it to comfort others, then that experience makes some sense. It begins to have some purpose and meaning to it. It says, uh, he also said in 2 Corinthians, when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. You see, it's only a matter of time that somebody's going to go through the identical experience that you've had. And you're the one that can help them through it. James put it this way, and I like this verse because it reminds me when I'm in the midst of something, of a painful experience. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. That's hard. I mean, when you're in the midst of a hard thing, the last thing you're thinking about, oh, this is a great opportunity for great joy. Yeehaw. You're not thinking that. You're thinking about how bad you hurt, how hard it is. But James says, hey, when you have troubles, and you're going to, and no matter what kind they are, you need to start thinking of it as an opportunity for great joy. And here's why. For you know that when your faith is tested, so that's a clue, painful experiences will test your faith. Painful experiences will test your faith. When your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So when I'm tested, I can grow. It's, it's like lifting weights. When you're lifting weights, you're tearing muscle and then it gives that muscle an opportunity to grow and become stronger. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, which is when you go to heaven, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Again, that's heaven. So James is saying, hey, you're going to have some experience that are very painful. They're going to come. You're guaranteed that. So when they do come, Start looking at them a little bit different and just start saying, Lord, I want to thank you in advance that as you get me through this journey, I'll be a stronger person because of it. And then I'll can, I can use it to comfort others. Your painful experiences. Uh, you really need to make write journals when you're going through painful experiences. I mean, that's when you get real and that's when you get honest. And, it, and it's okay for you to write your questions about God. It's okay to do that. 
Then you have your educational experiences. You know, where you attended school and the subjects that you took. I, I mean, when I think back to certain professors that had an impact on my life, it really isn't rela- it's not in relationship to the course that they were teaching, but rather the influence of their life in me. And when I think back to certain people who were discipling me, sometimes it had nothing to do with what they were teaching me, but rather the influence of their life into my life. So we all have our educational experiences, whether it's a formal education or practical experience, education. Uh, Paul, uh, to the letters in Philippi, he said, though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. If you, he's basically saying, if you want to compare diplomas hanging on the wall, my wall is going to be bigger than any of yours. I mean, he's saying, I, I was circumcised when I was eight, eight days old. Here's my certificate. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. Here's my certificate. I was a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew. Here's my certificate. I was a member of the Pharisees. Here's my charter membership. And I demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. Here's all the rewards I got for that. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. Oh, I got a bunch of certificates on that one. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Here's a list. I once thought these things were valuable. I thought this wall of honor that I had with all my trophy cups was something of great value, but now I consider them worthless because what Christ has done. But here's the thing. Even though he considered them worthless compared to Christ, he still had that experience that God used. I mean, he wrote over half the New Testament. I mean, he wrote some amazing letters. God used his educational experience to do that. He had incredible conversations with learned people and wise uh, and the smart people of his generation. And uh, he could hold his own. He could, he could talk to them and answer their questions he had his education. So Paul's educational experiences was used in his ministry, just, just like yours. And then lastly, you have your ministry experiences. In Acts chapter two, he says, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. I mean, they did ministry together. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity and all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. They had all these ministry experiences. And each day the Lord added to the fellowship. People were being saved. So you've had your ministry experiences, but you know, whether you are just a part of it or let it or whatever, uh, you've had your different experiences and you should record those. And, and basically all these experiences, these painful experiences, these uh, ministry experiences, your educational experiences, your spiritual journey, these four things have shaped you 
and have made you who you are. I mean, if those of you who've had some severely ex- difficult things, would you say those experiences changed you? Most likely, yes. So my question then is, based on your shape, what is your sweet spot? Jesus said it this way. I brought glory to you here on earth, talking to God the Father, by completing, uh, this is the key phrase, by completing the work you gave me to do. I want to say that to God so badly. When I get to heaven, I want to be able to say, I brought glory to you during my years on earth. And the way I did it was by completing the work you had for me to do. And I'm the only one that can complete the work that God has given me. No one else can do it for me. But wouldn't you like to be able to say that to God? God, I brought glory to your name by completing the task, the purpose you gave my life. By being who you called me to be the way you shaped me, by using my shape to minister to other people. And I want to tell you, it has nothing to do with your profession. But you can take your profession and let God use it to make a difference in other people's lives. That's your influence. Jesus said, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. I want to say that to God, and I want it to be a true statement. So what is your next step? What do you do with this shape that God's given you? Well, let me give you a practical matter. Find a way to start using that shape. Now, many of you are already volunteering, and I appreciate that. In fact, as we were starting back up as a church and getting things cranked up, our biggest question was how many of our volunteers are are ready to come back? Because if not enough were willing to come back, we couldn't do children's ministry. We, we couldn't do the coffee ministry. We couldn't do the youth ministry. There were so many ministries that wouldn't happen because of you, unless our volunteers came back. And so I've been so thankful and, and love the fact that, that the vast majority of our volunteers were ready, chomping at the bit to make things happen. And... Um, and if, if you don't have that place of ministry, I want to challenge you, encourage you to try. And let us help you figure out your shape if you haven't done so yet. So here's what you do. To go to the Gateway website, gatewaybc.com. And on the main page, you'll see it down at the bottom. It actually says this, are you ready to use your shape? And then it says, click here. So you click there. It'll take you to a page and just fill it out. And then one of our ministers, one of our staff members will get in touch with you and help you with that process. And uh, and I would also say, if you don't know where, just try something. We give you permission to quit 
If you get involved in an area and you say, you know, I really, I love teaching, but I hate kids. I'll say, okay, quit. <laughs> we'll find you a different area. We, we want you to experiment. We want you to get in and try it. And if it doesn't work, we'll let, you know, fine. You discovered something you're not made for. You're not shaped for. Great. We got that off the list. So let's go find something else. It's okay. And so if you're not positive about your shape, that's all right. Because God's still shaping you. So figure out where God wants you to serve and begin to use your life making a difference in others, serving others, fulfilling God's plan for you. Let's pray.